The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. You're listening to the 630 Chad Afternoon News. I'm Brad Whisker, joined in studio by the producer of the Ryan Jasperson show, Morgan Black. Jaylen Nye will be back in this chair on Monday. It's been well over a week since many people left the high-level area, and somebody who knows and has been through the, this experience and knows it all too well is our next guest, Teresa Greenwood. She is the author of What You Take With You, Wildfire, Family, and the Road Home. Teresa, thanks for taking the time to chat today. How are you? I'm good, Brad. It's my pleasure to chat with you. Thanks for inviting me. Oh, absolutely. Now, let's go back to 2016, and not the day that you had to leave, but those those days leading up, watching the winds shift and the skies changing color and that smoke pouring nearby your home well it's it it, it might help the kingston listeners too if they think of fort mcmurray is actually about the same size as kingston so it's it's about the same population with sort of neighborhoods spread out but it's completely surrounded by the boreal forest so kingston. hundreds of miles of forest in, in every direction so there were actually two fires going at the same time one on the uh, north end of town and one on the on the south end of town, and uh, we were at the time everybody was really worried about the one on the north end of town, and they were throwing all the resources to it, all the water bombers and and uh, the fire trucks and that sort of thing, and they managed to get that uh, fire under control, and so a whole bunch of evacuation orders were lifted, and we were all uh, sent back. You know, everybody went back to their homes. But what was happening at the same time that no one realized is there's this weird weather pattern called a thermal inversion was holding the other fire um, down at ground level. And, and so it didn't have the appearance of being as big as it was. And then all of a sudden the wind shifted and boom, it was, you know, within half an hour, it was already within the city limits. So, Teresa, taking us into that moment when you knew you had to get out of Fort McMurray, how do, you, how do you separate the emotional versus the practical? How do you leave behind baby pictures when you know that there's other things that you need to get to more quickly? Well, actually, one of the things I, I like to tell people, because I, I really hope that people do this, is I actually had a go bag, emergency go bag, packed before the fire. And that's partly because when I lived in Kingston, I used to be part of the emergency management team for the city of Kingston. So you have to have the 72-hour go bag uh, prepared for when you go and and there is information about it on the city of kingston website so i would encourage if anybody wants to know what to pack in it to check that out but i had things in it like my passport and my insurance policies and medicine and glasses and all that kind of stuff so i was able to run out and just throw that right into the car and then i took my car out of the garage because you know at any moment the power could go out and and you couldn't might might have trouble getting your garage door open and then i had another sort of 14 minutes 13 minutes to run around the house and start picking out you know what were the treasures that you want to take with you and everybody in fort mcmurray tells almost the identical story and that they ran around and they grabbed sort of a crazy random selection of items usually nothing of any kind of monetary value and things like, for me, I grabbed a rolling pen and my grandmother's embroidery and some trinkets that, you know, were in that mirror, a mirror that was a wedding gift. And later, everybody uh, it, it was swapping stories about these, these crazy things that, that you grabbed uh, when you went out the door. But I, I, when I really started thinking about it in the process of reading this book, I realized the items that I grabbed were the sentimental things that remind you of 
of the people and the lessons that you've learned in life that kind of help you find the strength you know you need to get through a, a, the healing of a situation like this. Teresa, for us folks in Edmonton, we were watching those days and and especially the day that everybody left. Uh, can you describe that drive down the highway and what it was like for you? Sure. You know what? I, I It was absolutely like something out of a Hollywood movie. It, it, it was really surreal that way in that you see all of, as you're driving down the road yourself, as you're, and it took three hours to actually get out of my neighborhood, which usually only takes, you know, less than 10 minutes. But every car in the neighborhood was on the road. And you see people putting dogs and cats and, and diaper bags and laundry hampers and, and just throwing all these possessions into their car at the last minute and then heading uh, out on the road. And then as time goes on, you know, people start running out of gas and you start seeing the abandoned vehicles beside the side of the road. And that's when things start sinking in, you know, that, that things are serious. But one of the, if you're in Edmonton, you know that in Fort Mc, there's a lot of industry in Fort McMurray and they take safety training very, very seriously there. So one of the good things that happened in Fort McMurray is we really didn't see a lot of panic. People obeyed the evacuation order immediately. They did they did what the police and fire and the municipality were telling them to do, and they, they got out on the road, and uh, the municipality emergency management people were able to stagger the evacuations neighborhood by neighborhood. So in that way, it was orderly, but there was still a lot of congestion at, at the time. On your drive out of Fort McMurray, was there anything that you you remembered too late you thought to yourself oh i should have packed that oh oh absolutely there were mostly family treasures one of the things that that crossed my mind too is i forgot i had some photographs of of my late father that uh, it never occurred to me to uh, run down and get because i was just you sort of take things from the room you're standing in at the time and uh, the other thing I realized about two weeks after the fire was I had left my uh, father-in-law's cremated ashes uh, in the urn on the, on the fireplace when I ran out the door. And I'm not so sure he would have appreciated that. While, while you were out of the city, Teresa, and you know, you're waiting and, you, and you're watching and you're listening to, to figure out when you could go back home, was there one thing that you were just so anxious to get back and grab and, and know that it could be in your possession again? Um, not, you know, it, it, I don't think there was one particular thing that stood out because it took, it, it, for, it was really a week before we knew that we'd lost the house because the fire just kept, we, our house didn't actually burn down on the, on the first day, it burned down on the, on the third day because the fire just kept changing pattern, the wind kept shifting and then it kept blowing through different neighborhoods. And so we really didn't know if our house was still standing or not. So we, rather than worry about what we didn't take, we were just like really trying to hold it in our mind that it was still there, so that it was still standing, you know. And uh, But if you were in Edmonton too, you probably know, there were something like, I don't know, 60,000 people. Uh, it's like, a, it's as if the entire population of Kingston up and left and kind of, you know, went to Ottawa, right? And how do you how do you absorb all of those people into your community too? So it was people were stopping you on the street and giving you toothbrushes and all kinds of craziness going on. And then, of course, every the malls were just packed because 
people didn't have socks and underwear and pajamas and T-shirts and all that kind of stuff. It was really a little bit like a war scene, I think, in that way. Teresa, you worked as part of senior emergency response teams, and you're also responsible for public information during several declared states of emergency, including the 2013 flood in Alberta. That's right. Do you, do you think that this, this helped you a little bit in preparation or handling your own experience with disaster? I think so because I I, sort, I knew what to expect at certain stages, and so um, you know I knew that the the RCMP would be directing traffic in in one particular pattern. I knew that the fire department would be focusing in one area, but there was it's standard practice in 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 municipal emergency management um, that you have three fallback positions. So you have your main center, and then if that's in the path of the fire, you have your second fallback center and then your third fallback center and it was about i think six hours into try we it took about eight hours just to get out of the town itself and onto the highway and it was about hour six that we heard that the emergency operations were abandoning their third fallback position and moving out to another town about 100 miles away and that was when i knew it was really serious that's when things got got very real so after you've evacuated and you've kind of set up your your mini home elsewhere, how how long does it take for that to start feeling like you're just so anxious to get back home? When does that homesickness set in? Yeah, it, it's well, it's very interesting because the neighborhood that, that uh, my house was in, it wasn't the fire was in May. The neighborhood itself wasn't even reopened until November because the damage was just so widespread. All the power was out, the sewage lines were out, the water lines were out, and there was absolutely no services. So even people whose homes were survived the fire weren't able to go back in. And then other people whose homes were not destroyed by flames were so damaged by water bombers that uh, they they weren't able to move back in again. So. And then when you're in uh, in northern Alberta, it's very cold in the winter, you know, average temperatures of around minus 30 and it dips down to minus 40. So it means that the building season there is very short. So in a, so uh, I think a lot of us were prepared that it was going to take at least two years to get your home rebuilt with any kind of realistic, in any kind of realistic time frame. And Teresa, I mean, you've seen that uh, people have had to evacuate their homes recently and currently there are more areas of Alberta that are currently under evacuation alerts. I would really appreciate if you could just spend a minute giving some advice to people and what they should pack, how they can prepare, even things like who to call when you get to a safe point. Sure. One of the things that, I, that I'd like people to remember, too, is your phone may not be working. The cell towers may go down. The power may go down. So make sure you've got printed lists of things with you, like contact information for all your, your family, that you have a, a, a point where you'll meet, even if it's in another t- Like if you're in, in Kingston and you're worried about it, have a point you'll meet in Belleville or Napanee or Toronto or something like that. Uh, also, one of the things that, that we've realized during the Fort McMurray fire was that people weren't planning for their pets. And so it was an incredibly hot day that day. It was, uh, the temperature was around, uh, around 34 degrees Celsius. And people were packing these large dogs and, and cats and all kinds of animals into their cars, but not taking any water for the pets with them. And so that's uh, definitely something that people will want to think about. And also, uh, very high up on the list, make sure that you have uh, packed any medication that you need or any extra kind of um, 
prescription glasses or walking aids or any of those sort of things because they're very hard to replace you know during the evacuation as well so you'll you'll quickly realize that you that you need those things another tip that i learned during the fire that i thought was very interesting is take your dirty clothes hamper because the clothes that are in your dirty clothes hamper are the things that you tend to wear every day so if you all you have to do is get to a laundromat and at least you've got enough clothes to help you out you know through the the standard uh, evacuation period that they tell you to plan for is is 72 hours but with some of these extreme weather conditions we're seeing people are are having to evacuate for much longer than that so it's worthwhile planning for that as well thank you so much for this teresa we'll chat again down the road oh it was my pleasure thanks for calling me today that is Teresa Greenwood. She is the author of What You Take With You, Wildfire, Family, and the Road Home. You're listening to the 6.30 Chet Afternoon News with Brad Whisker and Morgan Black. Jalen Nye returning next week. That was a good conversation with uh, Teresa Greenwood. She was an evacuee of the 2016 Fort McMurray wildfire and reminiscing about the things that she quickly grabbed as she was getting ready to leave. And we were just chatting off air about things that maybe you would grab or or things that you would want to grab morgan i would be wrangling a lot of cats (laughs) is basically what would happen with me i mean like you think of you think of not knowing where your family members are in that moment and then not like having to find your pets like maybe they're hiding under the under the bed or something like that and in the midst of panic like i just i can't i can literally smell the wildfire smoke right now and it's just kind of putting me in that mind frame of where would where would i begin yeah, I know, and I, quite honestly, I mean, my first instinct would just be to, to grab my wallet and keys and go, because you just, you're under the impression that you need to leave right away, and your mind is scrambling and it's racing, and you can't really think clearly. So, you know, Teresa said, like, she, she grabbed some clothes and she grabbed some pictures. I I don't even know if I would be able to, to comprehend or wrap my head around grabbing that sort of stuff, and that's why you hear these stories now of people so anxious to get this government assisted funding which they've been able to finally secure speaking of the high level evacuees of course that you know they left with no clothes they left with no food they they just they had the clothes on their back grabbed their wallet wrangled up the kids if they were at school or wherever they were and and took off and Teresa mentioned she had a so-called go bag packed and ready to go so she had her essentials and we spoke with a few of the high-level evacuees global news did and they said that a few of them had kind of had that inclination like this might this might get bad very quickly and so they had put aside a few things as well but I mean you're going through your your work day you're picking the kids up from school you're taking them to soccer practice and all of a sudden it's there is no time you need you need to get out so we'll throw it out to you Chad listeners, text into 630-630. Do you have a go bag ready or did that conversation inspire you to get one and have one handy in case of an emergency? Also text into 630-630 about the things that maybe you would grab if you had a few minutes to spare before you had to leave. You're listening to the 630 Chet Afternoon News with Brad Whisker and Morgan Black. Getting a few texts into 630-630 about what you would grab if you had a few minutes to spare. Grab your hard drive. Another person texting in saying family heirlooms. Another saying pictures. Those are as expected. I mean, and that's exactly uh, what Teresa left. And she jokingly said that she had left behind her her father's urn with her ashes in it and just saying how her father would not have been too impressed.
with that. But uh, by all accounts, you know, Teresa is doing well these days despite that incident, and, well, and, and that's what's good. Thinking about the photos, I mean, everyone has so many fam- Like, which, which ones do you choose? Like, the baby photos, the toddler photos, the teen photos? I When you really start to think about how much stuff is in... I mean, and that's why we talk about decluttering. That's why it's so difficult, because there are so many things in your home that have special meaning to you, and then all of a sudden, a split-second decision, you have five minutes, take it and go... It, it's 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 difficult to think about. Marcel from Toefield texting into six thirty six thirty saying we keep our RV ready to go all the time. It's fully stocked with food, clothes, a full tank of water, etc. We also have our documents and photos all backed up on a server. Just need to find that internet access somewhere, and we have access to everything. At 3.45 this afternoon, right here on 6.30, Chad, we will get an update on the wildfire situation from provincial officials. We'll also carry it on our sister station, Global News Radio 880 Edmonton. Coming up on the other side of the news, we're going to take a deep dive into the history of Fort Edmonton Park.